Welcome to the ABCs to live your dope life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am excited to share this conversation with all of you with my good friend, Dr. Amy McKinnon. Thank you for being here. Yeah. This is so fun. Yeah, it's good to see you. You too. It's been a while. (laughs) Yeah. Even if it's on Zoom, it's better than it's better than nothing right now. But it's good to connect. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm doing pretty good. I Hmm. Uh, <laughs> where do I want to go with this? I, I'm feeling really good today. Um, there was yesterday really good as well. And before that, it was like a three-day period of um, not extreme, but uh, an overall feeling of, of heaviness and hypoarousal that mm. I, yeah, it was really sticky and heavy. And um, there's always such beautiful things that come from that, but it's also exhausting. And um before we hopped on here, I shared a little bit about what I've been doing with retraining my nervous system. And, and that played a big part of it. It, it helped me realize that I actually have been, I've been overriding my, my natural state because it's not, it's not convenient when you feel depressed or low. And I've gotten really good at utilizing really healthy tools to get myself into a different state. And, and what I realized in those three days of really just allowing myself to be in it and almost like feeling it and seeing it with fresh eyes, I recognize that that's, that's what's been there the whole time. And I'm just really good at like, oh, I'm going to teach a spin class and that's going to bump me up or I'm excited for this conversation and suddenly my energy shifts, but I hadn't really been diving deep enough to, and, and being in it long enough to really understand this heavy state. Um, so I, I feel like I've had some pretty huge shifts and, and insights in it. And, and so the last couple of days, I've, I've felt really good and very aware and very clear. Cool. So, yeah. So that's where I'm at. Clarity's great. Yeah. 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 It feels good. Yeah. yeah well, good. I, I want to ask you this question that's just similar um, is, you know, this is what I, I love to start every podcast with is, what is in and or on your heart today? Um, so I've come into today in particular, it's Wednesday. Um, I have had like a flurry of things going on today, both like professionally, personally, um, and all like nothing I would say that's super negative or anything like that, but just like a lot going on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think on my mind or my heart, it's just sort of like slowing down a little bit, like continuing to slow down and compartmentalizing things appropriately, like just organize, organizing. That's mm-hmm. kind of like what mm-hmm. what I'm I'm doing. And it typically manifests physically, like I'll clean my baseboards or I will, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you have something on your brain and then you physically, your nervous system gets you to have that physical output. And then all of a sudden you're cleaning your entire house, like cleaning, for example, and purging. And I think a lot of people are doing that during this time because people are at home Mm -hmm. and, you know, creating those environments within your home are super important. And when people are purging and stuff, it's amazing how much emotional connection or, or correlation it has when you go through that stuff. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was a long-winded answer and not really clear. But, uh, yeah, just like the organization of things, like being really clear and concise and putting things sort of into boxes for me today is kind of my focus. So, mm-hmm. And do, yeah. you, do you feel like a little bit unsettled with all this stuff going on? Or are you feeling a little more grounded as if, okay, everything's kind of in the right place now? It's funny. I kind of thrive in chaos. I don't know what it is. I've always been like that. Like I like, I like being challenged for sure. Like challenge. And I think coming from a sport background and you're probably the same as well, that competitive background, you know, you see in a lot of, you know, clients I work with, I work with a lot of athletes and, and whatnot. So yeah, I just, I am kind of taking it. I'm like, all right, let's go kind of thing. Um, but in a more mindful way, I would say not so much as like, go, 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 go have to like, you know, not like completing tasks or anything like that, but just taking it, taking the current environment and kind of channeling my energy more appropriately and more effectively so that when life gets back to, I don't even know what normal is. I mean, and what the definition normal is, but back to a more regular state, I guess, so to speak, I'm, I have those better strategies. Mm-hmm. um in place uh and I know you and I touched on that a little bit kind of before we hopped on here just about using this time to really harness you know and learn and catapult that energy into what we do from here mm-hmm. yeah um yeah hmm, thank you for sharing that oh <laughs> yeah no worries yeah, yeah well the theme or topic that I was really curious to dive in with you um well first of all is you know the hardship and the happiness of of what's going on right now and um you know your experience with hardship and how that really shaped your relationship with it and Mm -hmm. the other the other piece was what it is to heal Mm. you know because you and i it was actually you who first introduced me to pain science and yes and since then which you made uh, three years ago I think maybe when we initially had that conversation, you sent me this really rad resource on it. That's been a huge part of what I've been doing for the last three years in um, various breath trainings, um, fascial trainings. It, it's, it, there's been a lot of, you know, what is pain really? Right. And, and even when it comes to healing, I, that's another piece that I've been diving into a lot because I, I hear such interesting things from people ranging from, you know, you have everything you need already inside of you. So to heal is actually to to come back into right relationship with yourself as a whole perfect being. 
-hmm. I've also heard people say things like, oh, I don't use the language of heal, like that as if it's like a, not not, it's a bad thing, but like healing's not a thing. Like you're either healed or you're sick, but there's no healing. Um, and I might, yeah, just many different relationships and understandings of healing. And so I'm, you know, before we even dive fully into that, I would love to, you know, mention briefly how we know each other and, and yeah. really, you know, what, what you do for a living. So my, my first recollection of you was actually just seeing you in passing when, um, I had gone to old this gym, um, I think this is the first time I saw you. I just saw you kind of working. You have an office in this gym. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that may have been my first time I've seen you, but I also know that you're obviously you're a part of our, our team with YYC Cycle. You're our resident doctor to make sure that we're being safe mm -hmm. and that all of our movements that we do are you know good for the body. And, and that's been such a, a huge foundation for our business. Um, it's, do you recall our first meeting? I think I attended a spin class of yours. It must have been like kind of the the first interaction, but I think, like you said, our first true interaction, you know, actually speaking, connecting would probably be when you started working, uh, working out and then doing a bit of work with the guys up at uh, Bold Athlete. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Well, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about what, what you do? Yeah. So I'm a chiropractor by trade. Um, and I always say that because I, I find professions these days, especially in healthcare and alternative healthcare, it's super cool because we can kind of mold who we want to be. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I define myself as a chiropractor, not because I don't want to, but because there's such a loose definition of all these different professions. So, um, you know, identify with what I do for sure and kind of how I, I work with clients and stuff. But um, yeah, I've, you know, kin background, sports background, I played soccer in college, um, you know, grew up skiing and stuff out here. Um, well, Calgary, born and raised in Calgary, but then going out to Fernie, typically on the weekends where my parents now live full time, which is awesome. And um, yeah, I went to chiropractic school and also went to McMaster University for acupuncture. And I think, I mean, chiropractic school was incredible. I went to uh, the Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College out in Toronto. Um, loved it. Super evidence-based, really great curriculum, great um, academic staff and advisors and clinicians and stuff like that. Um, but I really liked the acupuncture course I took, the medical contemporary acupuncture at McMaster, because it did start stimulating my thought process and sort of my need to dive more into the, the nervous system piece uh, and I mean classically chiropractors are thought to you know if you look at the definition on Alberta chiropractic or or whatever it's kind of you know we're affecting the nervous system and you know the mechanical pieces that are associated with that you know that being mm -hmm. joints muscles tendons ligaments um that kind of thing but again it's sort of this loose sort of definition so um, I started diving into the nervous system side of things, um, but in an interesting light because I'd been brought up so sport based that I was so mechanically focused for so long and having been through injuries and, um, you know, coming back from, from that, um, you know, at first I was kind of viewing it almost like a, 
engineering thing. Like I was like, okay, we got to put these pieces together and fix it and do all this stuff. Um, but wasn't as concerned about the process and the whole person because that's what you do. You just, you know, you put those kind of, you individualize those pieces, but, um, yeah. And that's where I was introduced more to pain science, same as you kind of, you and I talked about that several years ago. And that's really what put things together for me was the experience of the patient or the athlete or the client, as opposed to what they're mechanically walking in with, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Because as most clinicians know, if we are not tapping into, you know, the psyche of our individuals or what sort of headspace they're walking into your clinic with, you are missing the boat completely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can walk in with an ankle sprain, but that's, you know, if we're spot welding, we're looking at that, that individual piece of the body. Um, you're only tackling 1% of, (laughs) of the issue, you know what I mean? So, um, starting to recognize that. So I now kind of transitioning into the way I, I work now. I mean, I, I work with all different kinds of people, which is super exciting. Um, the one cool thing I've kind of carved out this cool niche of people that are really motivated, which I really like. And I don't mean motivated like they're, I do have professional athletes and national team and Olympic athletes and, um, you know, people walking through my doors, but I also have, you know, a lot of youth and amateur athletes um, who I work with. And I really like working with them. That's a, like a huge favorite for me. Uh, because Why is just, that? Yeah. They're just, um, they're, they're still in the stages of development and learning. So, a big piece to my practice is education. And that's actually the foundation of my practice, I would say, is ensuring that I, you coming into my clinic are understanding the experience you were going through better walking out, if that makes sense. And I'm not yeah. talking about showing you anatomy. Yeah, that's super important. But talking about, you know, pathophysiology, pain behavior, what pain actually is, what healing actually is, you know, timelines, all kinds of stuff, right? Um, neurology and, and whatnot. So young mi- minds are so malleable. And if I can provide any sort of education to these individuals and kind of shape their, um, let's call it pain behaviors or, or their ideas behind injury or their ideas behind conditions early on, it's incredible what happens, right? Because mm-hmm. as adults, we're um, even just from a brain development standpoint, we're pretty set in kind of our processing and we can always learn and, and evolve, but the developmental side is kind of, you know, done, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I really like working with that. Also, they're, they're like Wolverine, man. They, they're so like, you know, you, you see kids on playgrounds, obviously they're like bouncy balls, right? Like they just bounce up and down. So from like a mechanical standpoint, it's so cool to work with kids and youth athletes because they you really see the healing process accelerated because they're that much younger right um so it's super fun because obviously you know selfishly on my end they get better and you're like sweet this is awesome um but you get you know you get to be a part of that experience and um you know share your personal experiences and yeah they're just they're just fun they're super Mm. fun to work with and I mean as a therapist too like whether you're you know, physio, chiro, osteo, uh, AT, massage, whatever, 
or even, um, you know, physicians and stuff like that, you end up talking to these clients quite a bit too, right? You're spending, you know, typically my, my treatments are 20 to 30 minutes on a regular basis, you know, one hour being a new patient assessment. So you really get to know your clients and get to know what they're like. And that is the most important thing. Um, you know, I'm definitely not the chiropractor that's going to see you for five minutes. And, and that's, that's not a knock on chiropractors who, who do that, but, um, I'm definitely really trying to tap into who people are and how they think and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And that kind of translates into how you approach, uh, patient management, because if you're, if you're not able to, and it, it's the same thing, same goes if you're in a room of people, you know, you got 30 people, if you can find something in common with each person, you know, it's, which most likely you can, like people think, oh, they, you know, they don't think the same way I do or whatever. Like we're not going to be able to collaborate, but there's so much room to do that with every person. So I like that challenge too, right? Yeah. Like I see all different walks of life, um, you know, with the commonality, like I said, of being motivated to improve um, because one thing, and we can talk about the pain science, but like if we talk about coping, like active versus passive coping, mm-hmm. passive copers won't do as well with me because I will educate them on the benefits of being a part of it right Mm -hmm. so to speak um yeah so i mean obviously it does happen with clients and stuff where you know you're you're educating them on the process and they don't necessarily want to hear that so they end up going elsewhere because they continue to doctor shop and and do that right yeah do that kind of um sort of behavior but Mm, which just opens up space for a client who's more aligned with you know the way you operate yeah definitely I'm curious to hear, you know, when it, when it comes to you seeing so many different types of people, when it comes to kind of assessing someone's ability to heal or like, you know, someone walks in, whether they're really injured or in a lot of pain, are there certain things that you've noticed like themes in the quality of, of their speech or movement or mindset? that kind of gives you a signal of like, oh, this person's going to, they're going to get it. They're going to heal versus someone that you're like, oh, this is going to take a little more time. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that kind of stands out that gives you, you know, that, that little prediction? Yeah. I mean, I try and, I mean, I'm not a savant either. We can never know what people are thinking. Yeah. Um, but overall body language and mindset is a big thing coming in. And I typically, you know, with clients, I typically don't dive right, especially if they're a new client and I'm trying to get to know, know them. I don't necessarily dive right into, Hey, what brought you in today? Kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's important as practitioners that we, we execute a, a very thorough history, for example, to make sure we're asking all the right questions so that we can make our differentials in regards to diagnosis, rule out red flags, rule out any reason to refer out, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but listening and seeing how they respond when you ask them questions, you know, what, how do they explain their current scenario? You know, it's, for example, like you'll get, you know, uh, say a mom coming in and, you know, she's got three kids and they, there's so much in the go, um, and she's explaining her current ailment, her condition, her chief complaint that she's coming in with as such and such, but she's 
she's expressing more that she doesn't have time. She doesn't have mm. time to deal with things. She doesn't have time to do any of this um, because she's so busy and everything else. So, you know, if you can figure out what their limitations are or their barriers mm -hmm. before you even assess someone and, and deliver your diagnosis, you can better educate them and you can position, you know, the plan of management appropriately. So um, with someone like that, it, it, it might be as simple as like, hey, we're going to come up with the most efficient, effective way for you to get this done because you need to make this a priority for you. Yeah. Um, as an example, and it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't seem like such a burden to that individual. And eventually they'll start to, you know, it's, it's microdosing, right? You want to adopt principles slowly because you can't just inundate people with, you know, a thousand rehabilitative exercises. Um, you need to first educate and then, you know, and tell people why they're doing certain things, mm -hmm. you know, uh, before you, you implement it's just it's not effective right yeah if you do yeah um hmm. yeah so yeah. i guess yeah going back to um you know tapping into that mindset of that individual you know and people in, it's always interesting to see how they've strategized dealing with it already that's the one thing i go back to as well as i'm like okay well what have you done so far to help and if you're like nothing, I don't have time or yes, I've tried a thousand things, whatever. That's a different mindset. Right. Uh -huh. And, you know, people, people will oftentimes, and I'm, re I'm pretty much referral based. Like we, it's not like we have a, a storefront or anything like that, as you know, you've been to our space. So, yeah. um, you know, typically people are getting referred because, you know, they've been elsewhere before, or they've never been to someone before and they've obviously been recommended. Uh -huh. Um, so it, it is great because they already have that mentality and that trust because someone has referred them. Do you know what I mean? Mm, it's not, yeah. not often that I really have to convince people to stay or to, you know, uh, to come back. But yeah, um, yeah, because that, that's also an important piece too, right? Is their willingness to be present um, or if it's, uh, say it's a, a youth athlete, for example, and dad's just dragged dragged him or her in um that's another thing too is trying to figure out and with, with kids it's interesting obviously right because you have um you know parents and guardians obviously have to be uh, are typically present during those treatments so there's that dynamic too um mm. and you know working with those youth athletes to make sure you're getting out what you need to get out in regards to taking that history and, and figuring what, out what's really going on yeah. Um, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of psychology involved, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. really, really interesting. And I, I can speak from experience, you know, I've I've been on your table a few times now. Um, and I, I've loved the experience and I've, I've come in in, in pain. And, mm -hmm. and you've really been able to educate me on on my body and and give me some really cool exercises to to take take control instead of just reacting to my body. I now feel like I'm, I'm kind of ahead of the game. I know what I need to be doing and I'm, I'm noticing little things before it becomes a big issue. Uh, but I, I've really enjoyed the, the amount that you're able to educate me on, on my body throughout the process. And, and you're, you're so good at creating a safe container, which 
I see as a, a really important thing. You know, obviously some people will come in, they see you're a doctor already, like I feel safe around you, but you amplify that by, by just being that open, you know, lead by example, this is how we communicate, like just making it a really safe and inclusive environment. So I'm, I'm not surprised one bit that you're, you know, you're successful. And the way I, I describe you is when I'm referring you, um, I call you a holistic or, um, chiropractor. Yeah. That's really All been, Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're talking about the mind and the body and, and you have so many different tools that it, you know, it doesn't ever feel like, oh, I'm at a chiropractor's office. Like it, it does feel so much deeper and more comprehensive than that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I appreciate that, Marin. That's yeah. that's awesome. And you're a pleasure to work with. You're super fun to work with, as are yeah. all my clients. I actually truly like every day I go to work and I'm so stoked because every, I mean, obviously every patient interaction is different, but um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like I really enjoy what I do mm -hmm. um, for sure. And yeah, and I think going back to, I like what you said about um, it's really important to because there's so many things out there that's the other thing too is there's so many things you can do from a therapy standpoint and whether it's you know the the psychological aspect or the physical aspect you know there's you know so many people come to me and it's like well is massage better or is chiropractic better or is physio better or is acupuncture better like there's so many things and it's so great because we have you know we're more educated uh, from a scientific standpoint on the the inputs that we are utilizing mm -hmm. with these different forms of treatment um, but effectively at the end of the day as long as something is is benefiting you and you truly believe it's helping and we are getting some mechanical um, input or sensory input because um, that's essentially what therapy is a stimulus right it's therapy mm. is is something that we are providing our nervous system to alter the state now, obviously with healing that, that, you know, if we've got a, you know, we've got a torn ACL or something like that, there's, there's cellular healing that has to happen and we can, we can better that by certain activities and modifications and rehabilitation exercises, all those things to try and promote healing for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, you know, I'm of the mind, I collaborate all the time. So I'm not, I'm not a one-stop shop by any means. And I make sure, even though I do, I have a lot of things in my tool belt. And that's the other thing is things will work for someone mm -hmm. and not for, work for the other. You've heard that I swear by acupuncture, it is the godsend, you know, and, or I swear by massage or whatever it is. And um, that's the other thing that's really important when you work with clients and patients is what works for you. Or what's yeah. been successful in the past because we want to keep doing that you know we want to keep um you know being able to um and that happy medium also exists between passive and active care we want to ensure and i we've had this conversation before is i want to get i want to empower my patients to get off the table yes you know and mm -hmm. is therapy beneficial 100 percent, totally obviously i believe in it i'm in the profession um but giving people the ability to you know process the healing that we can from an from a passive care standpoint and then push you into that active care component where you're doing the proper activity modifications in your daily lifestyle you know paying attention to those things paying attention to your mindset and how you feel about your pain and or your ailment and then looking into movement because movement is so huge and that's mm -hmm. something practice every single day 
and has been so beneficial for you and your growth as a person, an athlete, a partner, you know what I mean? Like all those mm-hmm. things. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, aligning, I've aligned with a lot of professionals in the city who are excellent, uh, a couple in particular, just so excellent when it comes to uh, movement-based stuff and, and really tapping into that clinical side and not just plastering someone with a, you know, a workout program or a workout regime, um, mm-hmm. albeit everything is beneficial. And that's the other thing is like when, in the strength and conditioning and fitness world, it is so, um, there's so much out there and um, I'm a big supporter of different things. You got to do different things. You have to have different inputs. Yeah. It's, variety. Variety totally. is so, so big. Yeah. And um, if we aren't able to promote that and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's so interesting because it's funny because the therapy and the fitness world is kind of similar. Um, you get the same, um, not to paint a negative light on either, but you've seen it on social media. You know, you've got battles, right? You've got battles between this type of training or this type of training, and this is more beneficial. And it's so individualized, right? So it's like, how can you, how can you make that comment without right. the context? You know, even just the way you described it, it takes me to like religions, and how there are some churches or religions that are like, we're the true church. No, we are. Like mm-hmm. when really like, oh, you're you're actually all preaching the same thing. You're just using mm-hmm. very specific language and trying to make it this inclusive community. Like that's what a lot of gyms do. It becomes somewhat cultish without, you know, the, the total negative side of a cult. But it's it's really about this community and trying to level up as if we're the ones that have it all. Mm-hmm. When really, yeah, it would be so much more beneficial for everyone if we did more of that collaboration and to recognize like a month or six months of this is actually really supported by this other thing and that Mm -hmm. I don't need to choose one or the other and it's it's really important to have that diversity and make sure that my my body is not getting too comfortable or too familiar you stop having the the same positive benefit when it can just kind of just becomes part of what you do you don't have to be as aware you don't have to work as hard now you you might start declining instead of finding these other things that will shock your system and and push you to your next level definitely yeah and i i love that uh that comparison you did with the the religion and the churches that's awesome and yeah i just i will always a lot of people see me as almost like a triage system it's funny i've become this like you know, sport injury triage walking unit, it seems around Calgary. I, I mean, not emergent situations. Let me be very clear that if you have a femur sticking out of you, like, please go to the ER. Yeah. But <laughs> it's so important to provide, you know, those. And that's where I work with a, a number of these youth sport organizations in the city to streamline care for these, um, for these athletes. Because typically, you know, professional and or national team they have a little bit more education behind, you know, what they need because that's mm-hmm. that's their job. They have to figure it out, and they're usually provided with the resources, the therapists, the professionals to help them get to the next level. Um, but it, when it comes to the youth athlete side, youth and amateur athletes, you know, I'm making sure that the with these families and and whatnot, I'm pointing them in the right direction. So if that doesn't mean they're coming in to see me, they're going somewhere. And I, I try and align myself, you know, I've, I've over the, the last, I've been back in practice for six, just over six years now here in Calgary. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really digging into um, that community feel to be like, okay, hey, I've got, you know, and it doesn't mean I refer only to one physio, right? I know a slew of different professionals. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, awesome. I know what this person is like. You You're know, like a matchmaker. Met Cupid. Tommy yeah. Cupid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but it's super important because if you, um, and I get it wrong all the time though, but keep in mind, I'm, this is not a perfect, a perfect system, but um, you know, if you can provide people with resources, like I said, and just um, purely educate people on what's going on. And um, I always share like my people, I was like, how did you become a chiropractor? Um, and my story is um when I was a youth athlete so I was in grade eight so you know around 13 at the time and I was at a um you know a friend's house and there was a bunch of kids there and I got double bounced up trampoline and landed basically right on the bar like like flew up came down landed on the bar on my hip so kind of like twisted Mm -hmm. um you know as a 13 year old you're you're pretty resilient kind of bounce back up you're also embarrassed because yeah like I'm fine (laughs) um and my parents being super educated and seeing chiropractors and and um doing those things for themselves and being active it was it was funny because their first instinct was to bring me to my family physician which is great too like super important to evaluate those things um but uh you know i was misdiagnosed and that's not to say, again, that's not to say that this, um, you know, this family physician didn't know anything. She knew a tremendous amount of things, but, um, you know, these misdiagnoses happen all the time. And the more people we saw, the more it came together. So, and then we saw my physiotherapist and my chiropractor is kind of that second line. Um, when now in retrospect, my mom's like, I wish we sent you to your chiropractor physio first. I mean, real, again, ruling out the emergent stuff, ruling yeah. out all the the stuff that's um, that's applicable to an emergency room physician or a family physician. Um, but uh, yeah, I went a week, uh, you know, with a diagnosis of like a bruised hip. And basically by the end of the week, I couldn't walk because I was in so much pain. Um, and I was actually starting to experience nerve pain, which is highly unusual in adolescence, unless there's trauma um, or an underlying neurological condition. So um, went to my chiropractor and my chiropractor instantly was like, why with this trauma and, and the incident, why haven't you been x-rayed? Um, you know, there's indication here, you know, persistent pain and swelling and all this stuff. And I broke my back and which wow. is, yeah, I actually evolved, which is like when you tear bone basically right off your, um, through ligamentous attachment, it kind of rips the bone right off. And so I basically fractured and shaved off three transverse processes on my, on my lumbar spine. And it was just, and so, so much inflammation and the, uh, irritation in the area had caused some n- nerve irritation and damage that was, yeah. you know, going into it. So the referral was, is interesting because the pain was in my hip, but the, yeah. um, the issue was in my back. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I always go back to that. It's, it's about, you know, it takes a village in a way. Um, and the more, um, the more healthcare practitioners you can find in both mainstream and alternative healthcare that are aligned and willing to work together, um, the better result you're going to have in the, in the long run. So, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and really in the end, so much easier for the, the patient or the client to not have to be searching out 
different specialists, like doing all that work on your own to narrow in on what's really going on. Like if mm -hmm. yeah, the medical field could work together collectively, then the patient can sit back a little bit more and, and know that they're being cared for. Yeah. You know? And it is happening. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm so optimistic um, when it comes to healthcare, especially in Canada, I think people are doing an incredible job. You know, there'll be the whiners out there about things not working the way they want it to, for sure. But, you know, I think individuals are really stepping up and forming their communities and making sure that their clients are, mm. are taken care of. And, and um, you know, they're referring when they need to, they're co-managing, they're working together um, mm. in the best interest of the clients, because ultimately that's, that's what we're here to do. Right. Well, and, and what a, a weight off the physician's back to to not feel like you have to know it all or be it all that well, you actually have. To, right. Exactly. <laughs> to have a team well, of people not. where it doesn't mean anything about you or your value or your worthiness as a doctor to say like, oh, this other person would actually be a great fit for you. You know, that's yeah. such a supportive system. I could see that. You know, that's, I see a lot of importance and um, I'm glad to hear that's what you're doing more and more. Yeah. And I you know, refer to chiropractors. Yeah. Wow. 100%. Yeah. It's, uh, we all have different skill sets and, and strengths and um, yeah, there, I, I do that as well. There's so many great practitioners in, in Calgary and I mean everywhere, but Calgary, obviously, because I'm biased because I live here and I know people, but um, yeah, it's super, we're super lucky, um, mm. I think. And we have so much access to information now and um, even through this pandemic, it's been fun. Like I've had so many different chats with different professionals and every week I'm hopping on, you know, um, I, I work and co-manage with another uh, company called Vital Strength and Physiology. So they do a lot of movement-based um, work programming. And so I refer quite a few clients there and we do like a think tank session every week. It's like, we kind of have this topic um, you know, this week we were going through gait analysis with Carla and Nick and I, and um, it's super fun. And then connecting with, you know, last week I connected with YYC Run Crew. Um, yeah, nice. You know, that, that and uh, that running end. So, yeah, it's just been fun because people have had time, obviously, to, to connect. But it's it's a great opportunity. And you and I are connecting, which I'm super stoked on. Right? Yeah. Good old Zoom. Well, I know. with um, the your clinic was closed then for eight weeks is that right pretty much yeah we closed our doors march 16th just before kind of everyone closed i would say yeah um at that time obviously we we wanted to make sure we were doing what's best for our, our clients and seeing as we touch people for a living it was uh it was kind yeah. of a no-brainer um and alberta i mean and i i can only speak on behalf of the alberta chiropractic um, body, but they've done an excellent job at making sure we're informed as to what's going on and, and working kind of in, in the collective best interest for our patients in Alberta. Um, so them and the physio um, physiotherapy obviously was doing the same. They were kind of letting people know when they could go back and whatnot. So we just opened this past, or just last week, um, mm -hmm. started opening some hours and going slow. We obviously have had to change our clinical procedures a little bit because of sanitizing and the great piece is you've been to our, our space it's really simple yeah um, and we have complete well not complete you never have complete control let me let me say that but we have quite a bit of control over our environment there so you know uh, staggering clients for example making sure the practitioner is going to get the clients at the door because all the doors are locked in the it's in a hockey arena right so it's the city right. of calgary building 
Um, so we've been really grateful towards both the rink staff and the city of Calgary for allowing us to be in there. Obviously with the presentation of a, a clinical uh, reopening plan that mm-hmm. abides by um, health and safety standards, but it's been so fun. Like I, it's been great to connect with people again. And I've noticed a shift, I would say, I don't know about you. I've noticed a shift in the last week where people are starting to be a little bit more comfortable um, resuming their regular sort of routine. Mm-hmm. Obviously with awareness, I would say is the, you know, this heightened awareness, um, but in a positive way, I mean, people are just paying attention. Um and yeah right which is such a beautiful thing like people are more awake and they're more aware Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they're more mindful it's you know i i see so much positivity in that and and yeah i think in the last week that's suddenly there's traffic again so people people are starting to get back out there it's it's really it's so fascinating to watch all this play out um, yeah. Did you connect with clients at all over those eight weeks? And like, did you try to do, is that even possible doing like a yeah. Zoom session? Yeah. Yeah. So we were, um, yeah, luckily our chiropractic association allowed us to do telehealth, which was oh. great. And I mean, again, anything to connect with my clients and I'm typically connecting with my clients often anyway. So it actually wasn't that big of a shift other than no more in-person uh, mm. treatments, but uh, yeah, so I was doing telehealth calls pretty much every day um, okay. with with clients, and it was it was good. Um, you know, I've got a couple of, like post-operative patients and stuff right now that I'm working through a lot of that stuff. But again, um, what a great opportunity to implement that that active care approach. Yes. You know, really yeah. educate people on what can we be doing on our own um, away from the treatment table and and you don't have a choice. So let's figure it out and we'll do it together. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. That's actually it. what comes up for me is the, how a lot of what many of us were doing before these healthy pursuits of going to see various doctors, massages, all the different things we were doing to keep ourselves healthy, go to the gym. These also could end up being coping mechanisms, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the passivity of, Oh, my doctor will take care of that. Or, you know, mm-hmm. taking for granted that we can show up into a space and take a fitness class or or something like that. And now all of that's taken away. And what we're left with is this realization that we need to be more independent. And if, if there's something that we feel like we're really, really missing that we used to be able to just get so easily, then suddenly mm-hmm. it's, well, how can I create that for myself? Whether it's like your favorite meal that you used to always get at a restaurant or if you are relying on massage, like what other tools can I use so that I can still get these benefits, but from this autonomous mindset. And some things, of course, will there will always be better by going and, and having support. And, and that's such an important part of it. But I, I've really enjoyed that of, of looking at all the things I've been taking for granted and then recognizing how I can actually do a lot of that on my own. And it's so empowering to be able to do that. One, one of the biggest ones for me actually was, um, the breathwork training I've been doing. And that's, mm-hmm. that's in person having like when we're doing some of this intense breathwork, uh, the facilitators were, will come over and they're watching your body and will like touch you in different areas to help you bring your awareness there, breathe into that area and, and they'll whisper things to you. And, and there's music and the ambiance 
you know, it's such a unique thing. And, and I had a hard time imagining what that could be like with a screen in between. And uh, three weeks ago, maybe, I had a one-on-one -on -one with, with my breathwork teacher. And he just was like, well, well, you know, put the, I think I was on my phone or maybe it was laptop, but put it far away so that I could see your whole body. Told me what music to find so I could have that playing in the background. I had my headphones in. So even though I was kind of far from him, I could hear him as if he was yeah. in my ears. Yeah. So he was still watching my body, giving me little signals, noticing things, and then direct messages of, of what I would have received right into my ears. And then he could also tell me like where to put my hands. So instead of him coming in, like putting his hand on my heart or mm -hmm. my belly or my feet or my head, he would say like, put your hand there. And so not only was it still feeling like I'm very connected to him, but it also was like, oh, that feels good. Like my mm -hmm. own loving, soothing hands on my body. I'm getting a very similar, if not exactly the same input that I used to think was, had to come from him or from one of the other facilitators. It was like a paradigm shift to experience that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been cool to see how people have adapted, like um, both both on your end, but also the professional end, right? Like just mm -hmm. talking about telehealth and stuff. And the thing I always remind people, um, and especially athletes in particular, because high performing athletes, you know, their job is their performance, right? They need to perform in order to feel not only fulfilled, but perhaps it's a perhaps it's a money thing. You know, there's there's a lot of you know, national team athletes in Canada who aren't on a salary, obviously, and they only get money through government funding and or winnings, right? So there's mm. there's that pressure on on that piece. But so when injuries and pain come up, it's catastrophic because it's a it's a direct barrier to the success of that that athlete. Um, the things I always remind athletes and any any client or patient in general is the body is so incredibly resilient and robust way more than we think it is um and it's actually funny like totally off topic but uh we've uh, my girlfriends and i have this social distancing book club um which has been super fun uh not only because it i think it's more about staying connected really than anything but we put kind of a book we wedge a novel in there we're like we have to meet to talk about this novel but really we want to like you know, sit in the park and have an Aperol spritz. But um, it, we've been reading, I don't know how we ended up on this. We kind of started with more of a mindfulness book and then we shifted mm -hmm. to a um, a book about, uh, which was basically post-World War II um, and the experience of an individual who had gone from uh, Auschwitz in a concentration camp up to Siberia and one of the gulags. Um, so talk about hardship, right? Yeah. Um, it's called Silka's story. I highly, or Silka's journey, sorry. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, but reading that, and she, this person's a, a real person that existed and went through these things. And, you know, aside from, you know, the, the mental side of it, the physical side, you know, like malnourishment, um, you know, lack of proper clothing, lack of shelter, weather, um you physical know, abuse yeah physical abuse um yeah. you know assault like just 
you know, it puts things into perspective. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying we're not going through a hard time right now, but you know, it, it puts things into perspective when, um, you know, you have that person that's like, my body's falling apart. And I'm like, you're okay. It's, it's okay. Yeah. We're good, but we're going to work together to find the strategies to help. Yeah. Um, and it's only based on context too, right? Like it's the other thing is we can't expect to know what that feels like because we haven't lived through a world war. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we're living through this pandemic right now and it's, it's awful the way it's affecting people. And of course people have lost loved ones and, and whatnot. Um, but, uh, yeah, like if you health is just, it's incredible to have, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, so. I love that too, that the, the story that you're reading with your friends is it's really like, it's expanding expands your perspective to start really looking at, you know, the complexity of being alive and dying and, you know, all yeah. of it to be able to recognize that, yeah, what we're going through is hard and every generation has gone through something, many things that has been extremely hard. And, and it's, I don't like to compare suffering because, you know, there's so much research on that as well, that yeah. like what you just said, if you haven't experienced something worse than what you're experiencing right now, then this is like devastating, mm -hmm. right? And it doesn't matter what people say, it's like, that's your experience, right? That's, and so yes. even for, for children who are going through this, for a lot of children, this is, this is huge. This is confusing. This is a massive amount of suffering. And, and I think that's a great perspective for all of us to keep in mind that it's, even if someone's expressing that this is way worse than what you are experiencing, neither one of you is right or wrong. It's, it's all just experience and we need to be able to see each other and, you know, and hold space for each other so that we can each figure it out. And, and I think that's where the, the resilience of the human body really helps me have wisdom and compassion and empathy for people where I can, I can hold space for people. And I can, even when they're devastated and, you know, lost, I also have this more than a glimmer of hope. It's, it's this knowing that you're going to be okay. And that this mm -hmm. suffering is, is like, like a fire that's buffering and burning you. And you're going to come out the other end so much more clear and grounded and strong because of what you've been through. And of course, it's hard to, to feel that when you're in the middle of it. Um, but I've experienced it so many times now for myself that, you know, as I even mentioned at the beginning, you know, these three days where I was feeling really low, there was also a part of me that was like, here comes a growth spurt. Yeah, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Doesn't make it really any less uncomfortable but it does help me expand back and recognize that I'm not just this uncomfortable feeling. I'm so much more than that. And, mm -hmm. and this kind of brings me now to, you know, this concept of, of the pain science and healing and from, you know, your own experience with pain. And I know acute pain is different than chronic pain, mm -hmm. similar, but different. Um, and, and healing is such an interesting aspect that actually, maybe it needs to be approached differently, whether it's acute or, or chronic. Um, so how, how would you describe this to someone? Maybe it's like a new client that comes in uh, and is experiencing, why don't we go with chronic pain? Because I think that's more of a, a potent and fascinating yeah. 
area, what, you know, what stories would you tell them other than what you've already shared about your, your hip and, and broken back? But how do you, how do you describe that to someone to understand what this pain actually is and the steps they can take to actually curate healing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, and I'm not a chronic pain expert. I will just say that off the get-go, but I, it's an interest of mine as you and I have both discussed. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like I said before, education is such a big component. It is the first component, I would say, and the most important component to that road to recovery, if we want to look at it that way. So if a client or patient comes in with uh, chronic pain and you've established that it is chronic pain and, you know, it gets a little tricky, right? Because there's chronic pain syndromes with no physiological explanation. And that's, that's a realization in pain science that, you know, researchers have been like, holy crap, like people can experience pain with no physical damage. So back up a second again and say, okay, what does that actually mean? So if we don't have, because inflammation, if we talk about actual mechanical stimuli that causes the pain signals in the brain, inflammation, for example, is an easy one. You know, a red hot sole in knee because you've twisted it or rolled your ankle will signal your brain to say, hey, we've got some tissue damage, we've got a little inflammation in here, we've got some ligaments that you know are maybe partially torn or, or pulled or whatever it is, um, sprained, and that will send that signal to the brain to say, hey, something's going on here, we've got some inflammatory markers, we need to protect that area, and the way we protect ourselves is creating pain. You're gonna limp, you're gonna modify your, your ambulation, you're going to require crutches, there's, there's a number of different things. So pain serves, uh, pain serves a purpose as a protective mechanism. But then when we get, when we get more into chronic pain, we have to evaluate again, first and foremost, is there anything physiologically, um, you know, from a, a tissue standpoint or a mechanical standpoint, is there anything going on? Do we need to evaluate, um, and look at other interventions, um, and whatnot, but ultimately, you have to figure out, or sorry, you have to address the fact that their pain is a real thing. You know, I've seen, um, I've worked with some chronic pain patients back when I was in, in grad school. And you would see, you know, like the pain diagrams, like you get a sheet of paper and there's like a body and people are asked to like draw, like X is for achiness, S is for sharp. And like they draw, and I would get like an intake form and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, A, this person's experiencing pain everywhere in their body. Like every surface was covered. And then there was also pain outside their body. Like oh. they would draw things like outside. Um, so that's when I really was like, okay. And your first instinct as like a, a scientific person is you're like, it's, it's bullshit. Yeah. It's actually, how can someone be alive with this 10 yeah. out of 10? Uh, you know, they're perceiving that their pain is 10 out of 10. Um, but the first thing as a practitioner, you have to, you have to accept the fact that that is real. Their, yeah. their pain that they're experiencing is very real. So then you have to, you know, break that down further and say, you know, okay, what, what's, what's going on? And there, there is correlation between, um, you know, obviously pain perceptions and, and other issues like anxiety, depression um you know trauma and i'm physical it's it's interesting because when you look at pain science 
physical um, or emotional stress has the same result physiologically. Mm. You know, we think about stress hormones, we think about, um, you know, our nervous system, right? Because we've got our autonomic nervous system, sorry, but you have zero control over that for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we can we can have inputs and, and and practice things like mindfulness and deep breathing and, and all this good stuff. But yeah. at the end of the day, we are kind of at the mercy of our nervous system. And if we are perceiving threat, because this is what pain is, we perceive a threat and we process that threat. And if we truly think that it is threatening enough, our brain will create a pain response to that area. It's the same reason why people get uh, phantom limb pain. You know, why, you know, there's been an amputated lower leg, let's say, and the person will truly experience pain in that foot mm-hmm. um, because they're perceiving that that, you know, prosthetic is being threatened because someone stepped on their prosthetic toe, for example. Which is actually quite similar to when, you know, you could just think about something imaginary of what might happen in the future or something that happened in the past or or even for me I, I used to love watching scary movies and knowing that it's not real but watching it my body would have a physiological response like I am the one being chased in this dark forest or yeah. you know sitting and thinking about a worry in the future and then it's it's like I'm rehearsing it my body starts to think oh, it's happening now and I'll have reactions to it so mm-hmm. if we're constantly simulating our reality, that's potentially where like chronic pain can get stuck, right? Because our, our body actually is not present or it doesn't know mm-hmm. what's real anymore. So while the pain is real, it's also not at the same time. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, and getting back to coping too, it's like, okay, how do we, how do we cope and how do we manage this thing? Um, like I said, it comes down to, we need to develop strategies to limit, you know, the disruption of this pain in our lives, because a lot of people will, won't be able to work anymore. Um, for example, because they're, they're in pain, um, and problem solving, seeking education obviously is super, super important and really trying to understand the thoughts and beliefs behind that pain experience. Um, because a lot of people will have fear avoidance. So if you have chronic pain, you know, the best we know movement, for example, and exercise is so like in the research is so incredibly beneficial for people with chronic pain, Mm -hmm. but how do you get them to do it when they're avoid, when they avoid movement? It's like, holy smokes. Like it's not, it's not easy. And it's not easy for humans to be in that state because they truly perceive that they're, um, you know, they're being threatened, but like I said, if we always come back to, um, as clinicians, if we always come back to that educational component to make sure you're empathizing with the fact that they are experiencing that firstly, because the, a lot of these, a lot of these patients will, um, once they get to the right practitioner, um, before that they've been to a number of them, right. And tried all different kinds of things, but until you sit with a patient and really, you know, I see you. And yeah. I have made, as you discussed, I've made space for you, yeah. um, you know, and we're in this together and, and we can figure this out. And to acknowledge um, that it's, you're not crazy. It's not just in your head. You know, it, no. it, it reminds me too of, of what I often hear people around emotions where they'll like get 
kind of shame themselves for feeling something like I shouldn't be mm -hmm. feeling this way. And, and so it's very similar. What I'll do with them is, it's like, well, you are feeling it. So it's valid. It's real. Mm -hmm. Stop shooting and, you know, comparing like, this is the experience. This is what you're feeling. So it doesn't, doesn't matter if you think it's valid or not. This is the experience. It's real. And this is where we need to start. Yeah. And it's, it is so interesting. There's so many different examples. And I, I remember reading in uh, some, uh, some of the pain literature, I've read in the past, there's an example of a woman who has whiplash, you know, gets in a car accident, has whiplash and then has chronic headaches. Mm. And if you dig down to like the thoughts and beliefs, which is kind of the core, um, she believed that she was driving erratically. So she deserved to be in pain. Mm. She had made a mistake. And that's where that shame comes in. And you're like, whoa, like, okay, this, there's so many layers to this. Um, and I mean, I, I always, try i'm not a uh, i'm not a psychologist i'm not a psychiatrist um you know that's where my referral network comes in so if there, i do believe there's some benefit there um to that professional help or i referred to you before with yeah. clients yeah. um you know the mindfulness and the lifestyle coaching and just speaking openly about the experiences that you're having it's it's going to be beneficial in one way or the other mm -hmm. um and it's just trying to dissect it. And, but it's not easy. Like I, you know, I really empathize with people who are experiencing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But if you can get it from different angles, it's so, and manual, manual therapy is obviously um, beneficial as well, for sure. Oh, yeah. Such relief. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, what the way that I've been trying to really break this down, I know it's not simple and it would be doing a disservice to try to like simplify it. Um, but I really liked the, I actually was working with a client um, for a few months who was dealing with some severe chronic pain and, and she had gone to, uh, at the hospital, they had a chronic pain course of some kind and they had this video. And so she sent it to me. She's like, I think you'll enjoy this. And, and this is where I, I first, or, or at least it landed for the first time of um, referring to like our whole body as like, let's just say your whole body is a, is a jar and it's full of um, sims and dims, right? Okay. So safety signals and danger signals. Yes. And, and for people who struggle with chronic pain, their, their body just has more dims. There's more right. danger signals coming in. And so you're, you're out of balance. And, and when you're out of balance and your body is bracing for danger, it becomes a negative feedback loop, right? Mm -hmm. The same way that we can create positive feedback loops by making healthy decisions, doing certain things, it starts to get more comfortable and easy. We build momentum upward. The same can happen downward where a body gets so familiar with pain that it's actually the new normal and it kind of gets addicted to it. Mm -hmm. And, and so, having it broken down in that way for me the way that i approach it now is and even for myself when i'm still in this process of retraining my nervous system to understand i'm safe it's fine it's okay like i uh, the way i'm approaching it now is i am just constantly looking for safety signals and it can be as simple as looking around the room being like okay, I'm, I've got four walls around me, like all that color makes me feel good. You know, that's one way of doing it or really moving into feeling the ground and noticing what that feels like, the support, um, various meditations, breath techniques, same thing. You wouldn't do that if you were in danger. 
Mm -hmm. And like the way you touch yourself, I, I love doing the um, crossing my arms across my chest and, and tapping side to side as a nice regulation. It's one of the things I'll ask myself and get clients to ask is, well, what would I not do if I were actually in danger? Mm -hmm. and, and throughout the day, intentionally doing and thinking and being safety signals. And over mm -hmm. time, your body starts to recognize, oh, I can let go. I don't need to brace. I don't need to protect myself from this impending danger at all moments. The body starts to get those signals through various stimuli that it can relax. And it, and it might even just be for a moment. And then it goes right back to bracing. Well, that moment was huge. And if you can yes. continually do that and help expand the moment, then your body starts to regulate. Mm -hmm. like it wants to be healthy. It wants to mm -hmm. heal. Right. And, and we're the ones who get in the way. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, the thing I would add to that, too, is making sure, you know, clients understand that, you know, education from a like a nervous system standpoint to be like, look, like you're in control. But cut yourself some slack because, yeah. you know, the autonomic nervous system, man, that's a beast. Right. Because we talk about people have heard, you know, sympathetic, parasympathetic. Um, state. So in the autonomic nervous system, we have that, those two systems. So that's that fight or flight, danger, 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 or that parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. Mm -hmm. And really what's happening um, in a lot of people experiencing pain, for example, or anxiety or other things is you're in that sympathetic state um, a lot, right? Yeah. And that, that's totally like you have a belief or a perception and then you manifest it physiologically. Mm. right and mm. um yeah it's just once you once you, yeah when if you can educate people on that it's like oh man okay it's almost like it it takes i i want to say in some patients it sometimes complicates things because they you know you have to be careful with how much information you you provide and what's mm. appropriate but um i find most times the education will give them that like especially if they're looking for reasons and i mean yeah. Not that I'm, I'm saying uh, we're not looking for excuses. We're looking for, um, we're looking for um, validation a little bit, you know, um, yeah. and it's okay to try and find that and to explain things and be like, yeah, this is what's going on. That's why your heart rate is, you know, at resting beats of 75 beats per minute, which is high, you know what I mean? Yeah. Versus yeah. 55. Um, and that can take a serious toll on the body physiologically. It's why people, um, when they experience stress in any way, shape or form, when, whether it's intrinsically or due to family or home life or work, um, you know, it can be pretty detrimental to a lot of things. And I do talk about recovery too a lot because, you know, working with athletes, you want to, you, you need this fine balance between stress and recovery and stress is anything and we're talking like a workout is physical stress you know movement like movement. moving is stress yeah. yeah answering you know 50 emails in the morning that you don't want to see as stress so you know if you look at your energy bank in a day it's like okay what at what point do we start to get negative physiological effects if our stress levels and inputs are, are going too high because recovery ultimately like from a you know a scientific level if we're talking about uh the nervous system is if we're recovered we're ready to take on stimuli hmm. 
Does that make sense? So yeah. we're ready to take on, you know, that phone call you do not want to have with your boss, that kind of thing. Or, um, you know, you're ready to take on homeschooling, which is like kudos to parents right now during this yeah. time. It's incredible um, to see what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, it's so important to evaluate what's, and people forget that these stimuli actually have a physiological effect on us. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. And I found yeah. so much, so much empowerment by actually stripping away the, the human stories and meaning that I attach and actually just viewing myself as this nervous system. <laughs> yeah. So much easier. I'm so much more compassionate. I don't get stuck in like, what's wrong with me? Or, you yes. know, I'm broken. No, I like, I'm overstimulated. My nervous system is working so hard. Thank you, nervous system. Uh, you know, it's, it's a way to actually befriend it and relate to it in a way instead of feeling like it's something that we have no control over. Yes, that's a good really, point. Right? To be able to heal, we need to be in that rest and digest. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, for a long time, like I, I would be in sympathetic for most of my day. And then I would dive down into the shutdown response of a parasympathetic times a hundred where there is no healing. It's actually a withdrawal mm -hmm. response. I don't, mm -hmm. I didn't spend much if any time in that, that rest and digest state. Like I must have maybe when I was sleeping, like I'm growing and I'm, I'm learning, but not, um, the more I'm understanding about the healing process and the nervous system in general, the more I'm able to look back on my adolescence with first of all so much gratitude and appreciation that i survived and also a, a new set of eyes where i'm seeing like well no wonder my mental health was so terrible like you know it, it makes sense i would say these things that i had these coping mechanisms i was doing everything that i could to survive and if mm -hmm. i had had the education and understanding of my system i would have been paying attention to different things i would have been treating myself differently i would have spent more time really trying to understand what it means to relax mm -hmm. and not like, oh, I'm just going to go watch TV and lounge on the couch to relax. Well, that's not necessarily relaxing or restorative or repairing. It can be quite the opposite, but I just yeah. didn't, I didn't understand how to relax. Uh, you know, as an athlete, such a type A driven person, I was really good at go, go, go. And I just, I didn't know how to slow down. And, and so that mm -hmm. for me, four years ago was when I, I realized I need to learn the art of slowing down. Like, mm -hmm. I just don't know how to do it. I don't get it. My, my nervous system won't let me. And I've intentionally put myself in many different trainings and situations and experiences and workshops where it is practice after practice of various forms of breath work, slowing down, meditation, restorative mm -hmm. yoga, um, mm -hmm. so that now I really understand it and I love it. So throughout my day, I'm, I'm really honoring that where, yeah, I, I want energy. I want to have that, that pace that feels good. And I know that in the early afternoon, I need to lay down for yoga nidra or meditate or, or just do something really, really restorative if I'm going to be able to function for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm just, I'm frazzled. I'm flipping out at my husband. I'm not. I don't want to be around anyone like I just shut down. And so I really just seeing it, oh, it's my nervous system. What can I do to keep that 
that balance throughout the day and make sure that I am honoring recovery the same way that I'm honoring, you know, the hustle or the effort. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. It's taken me a long time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's exciting though. As I said before we hopped on the call, I think it's really, it's really cool and empowering and and fun to watch. So Mm. keep doing you girl. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of it. (laughs) I'm happy to, yeah, happy to be a player. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I don't want to take much more of your time. So I I have two more questions for you. And and the first one is, is there anything that feels um, incomplete right now or anything left to to share? Um, And even actually to mention your, your business name, how people can find you. All of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I think, I mean, I, I tend to go into every interaction with zero expectations in a good way. So it's like, you know, I don't feel like there's anything. I mean, I'm looking forward to the next combo. Yay. Good. That'd be great. Yeah. And I'm at, uh, yeah, so I'm at Coalition Performance Care is the name of uh, our clinic. And you can find us online um, at www.coalitioncalgary, all one word, .ca. And for me, I'm on social media. We, you know, we have a clinic page, but um, I do have a personal page under Dr. Amy McKinnon. So you can find me there. And yeah, I'm constantly chatting with people, interacting, love, you know, connecting in the community. So reach out if you want to. Amazing. I, oh yeah, it's starting to jumble up a little bit now, but uh, I'll put all of that information in the show notes so people can have an easy click to find you as well. Um, Okay. So my last question. Yes. I always, I always have a fun moment of hesitation before I, I mention this one, gauging my audience, but I know you're very open. So one of the, the, one of these side projects or um, ideas I had when I first started this podcast was um, a curiosity around how people relate and utilize cannabis. Mm. And I've had a really you know, up and down journey with it. And I, I do feel like, well, most days I feel like I'm, I'm in right relationship where it's, it's not a coping mechanism. It's a choice and I can say no to it. And, you know, it's, it's come a long way. Uh, and so I, I also think there's a lot of benefit when people, again, the education around how it can be used medicinally and that there's mm-hmm. many different dosages or strains that are going to have a different impact. Uh, and it's not for everyone, of course, as well. So, yeah. What I was thinking is that, you know, to, to first of all, pose the question of, of what, what is your current relationship with cannabis? You know, what do you, do you use it? Is it something that has been a part of your life? Uh, yeah. What, what comes up for you? Yeah, it's always, I, I get asked that obviously on a regular basis, just with the, you know, the forefront of it all, I guess, more being more present in the, in the healthcare community. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say like, I'm not, I'm not a great person to talk to with this just because I don't have that big of a relationship personally, mm-hmm. um, from a professional standpoint, I'm definitely tuning in for sure. And the same way I tune into any intervention. Right. Um, but I am tuning in because, you know, um, for example, we have natural cannabinoid receptors in our body, for yeah. example. So that to me, from a physiological standpoint, I'm like, okay, how can this be utilized in relation to, um, you know, pharmaceuticals, for example, and their relationship with um, the interactions and, and the, 
uh, the binding sites of these substances and how they, they interact with the chemistry of our body. So um, paying attention and not, not, you know, not delivering too much information. And especially as a professional and a chiropractor, you know, I can't, can't legally comment on, you know, it's the same reason we don't legally comment on our pharmaceuticals and drugs and recommend things. Um, you know, we're looking towards get, uh, getting a little bit more um, of an ability to, to do that for simple things like antispasmodics and things that affect muscle tone, for example, in an acute, um, in an acute injury. But yeah, it's, it's something, like I said, I'm paying attention to it. I don't have much experience, so I don't have much to say, but I know, like you said, individually, I've talked to so many clients um, and even athletes who are starting to utilize it, um, but it's so individual. So it's, you know, it's, it's, there can be benefits, but then there could be, you know, a negative component to that. So I, you know, be critical of, of everything you're doing and ingesting and or mm-hmm. taking into your body for sure. Um, and make sure you're educating yourself. That's the biggest thing, right? Yeah. Um, and finding resources that are, are, you know, from a healthcare standpoint are also almost mandated, you know, it's important to, to recognize those things. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to read more and listen more, you know, to it. That's very smart. And, you know, actually, um, I love the, what you mentioned about how our bodies have these natural cannabinoid receptors. And one of the things I read recently was that when, when we push our body past the point of persistence, so not like a walk, but if you're running at a pace where you hit the wall and then you keep going, that's mm-hmm. actually when we, we release the chemicals that create the natural high. So it actually mm-hmm. mimics what we're doing when we ingest cannabis and get that maybe more passive high. You can do a, an active high by actually creating it yourself. And mm-hmm. you know, before the spin studio closed down, there were a few classes where I, I mentioned that. Of like, you know, you ever talk about the spin high or, or feel that high halfway through class or at the end? Like, actually, you are. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I think that's so interesting because one of the things that I, um, I do want to have a follow-up conversation with you where we record it. And I, um, so you're the last person that I'm recording in this first round. Um, your, this episode will be live next week because I'm trying to stick cool. with the, the movement through the alphabet. Um, yeah. But the follow-up conversation is, is an invitation to, to either ingest a little bit of cannabis together or do something else that actually creates a very similar experience like going out for a hike being in nature or you know for you and i i could see us going and like running stairs or doing something that's you know a little bit intense and then calming our nervous system down and having a conversation and uh and then just seeing where it goes i I don't have too much of an expectation at this point. Uh, I don't want to have very much structure. I, I'm seeing that each one of these follow-up conversations are going to be quite unique um, in how how it all plays out together. So, um, yeah, I'm just know I'm going to be reaching out to you in the next few months, cool. um, yeah. and we'll we'll land on something that we both feel really comfortable and excited to to do together, and then cool. record another conversation. Awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for 
I'm really like, this is this is cool that you're having these conversations and I'm grateful to, uh, to be on here. So yeah, can't wait to listen. I'm going to go listen to the others because I want to yeah. <laughs> hear what you're chatting about. Yeah, it'll be good. I love it. Thank you, Amy. I really appreciate you. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah, and we'll chat soon. Yes, we will. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening in. And uh, yeah, until next time, see you later. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at Dopamine, that's D-O-P-E-A-M-E, or on my website under that same title, dopamine.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it and do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, love big and play big. Peace.